Hello, my name is Cara and you are listening to the Book of Lee's podcast. Welcome to episode 50 of Book of Leaves. You are very welcome if this is your first episode. Thank you so much for tuning in and for all the regular listeners and supporters. Thank you so much. For anyone watching on YouTube, um, I'm in a bit of a different setup today. Not so much a different room, but I've just come back from a weekend of um, planning and strategy and regenerating with some Extinction Rebellion Ireland activists in Clock Jordan Eco Village. It was wonderful and I'm just in the door, showered, super tired, super pooped and you can see it in my face. (laughs) My room is a mess because it was a camping trip, we were all outside so I absolutely threw everything everywhere before leaving. So I'm in some state, but I swear I'll get this done and out he is today. You'll be listening to it on time on Monday because I am dedicated. So for anyone who doesn't know who I am, I am an actor and an activist and I'm just really passionate about the planet, basically, and don't want to see it be destroyed by humans. I don't want to enter a sixth mass extinction so I will do everything that I can and one of those things is a podcast. So I platform people who are doing something good and we take a leaf from their book. I can't remember if I already described that at the intro. I'm so tired. But this episode we are going to be talking to Theresa Rose Sebastian who goes by the name of Tess who is a 17 year old activist all about empowering young people and empowering women and highlighting climate crisis issues in Indonesia oh my gosh in India that often go overlooked here so we will get into all of that and I'm very aware that this last two weeks has been tumultuous when it comes to the climate we have a heat wave in Ireland at the moment and there's lots of other stuff going on I won't dwell on it here I've been through some heavy emotions myself so I'm just going to continue sending you guys love and we need big change and the way forward the way to get to that is with activism I think with with big protests and targeted small protests if mass mobilization isn't safe to do with the pandemic so that's where I'm going to channel the anxiety that those weather events have given me let's just keep chatting and talking to our friends our colleagues our family and encouraging them to get active when possible but give yourself a break because you can't help the world if you don't help yourself if you're not okay now I will let Tess introduce herself. I found this conversation really inspiring and I cannot believe the amount of things she has going on. If you would like to um, support this podcast, if you enjoy it, I can't believe I'm on episode 50. Can I get a whoop whoop? Oh my God, that's so cool. So yeah, if you'd like to support this podcast, please leave a review if you're listening to it on Apple Podcasts and subscribe, share it, share it on social media, recommend it by word of mouth. That's always super helpful and get in touch if you have any suggestions and if you are in a capacity where you're able to financially support it either once off 
or through a monthly donation you can do that on patreon patreon.com forward slash book of leaves or directly through buy me a coffee or Acast. and that is it here is tess and i'll catch you after for some very quick show Okay, Tess, you are very welcome to the Book of Leeds podcast. Thank you so much for being here. And if you could introduce yourself to me and the listeners, that would be amazing so we could get to know you a little bit. Perfect. Um, Hi, everyone. My name is Teresa Rose-Sebastian, but kind of everyone calls me Tess. I am a 17-year-old climate and social justice activist. I'm Irish, but I'm originally from India. And I guess that's about it. Amazing. So a social justice activist and you're 17, is that what you said? Yeah. And what point in your life did you become aware of um, social and climate justices or, you know, were you always that kind of way or did something trigger that? So in relation to sort of climate justice, I had always been a very like big environment person. Growing up, um, my house was always full of plants. My home back in Ireland, my home back in India was again full of plants. So I kind of grew up with this understanding, you take care of nature, nature takes care of you. But I was never so active for climate justice specifically. I loved the environment. I loved the nature around me and I took care of it. But I never kind of had, firstly, the knowledge or the proactiveness to actually go out and fight for climate justice because I had no idea what that term meant. Um, and then it wasn't until 2018 when my hometown was flooded and my basically my entire state was flooded because of you know torrential rains that were not normal that I sort of realized, wait, this is not normal. What is this crisis that's happening? Because loads of people died. Homes are absolutely demolished. You know, there there were there were options that, that for people, do you stay at your home or do you die? That was some of the options people were faced with. Yeah. For yeah. myself, I was extremely privileged. I was living in a flat. The worst that happened was the entire car park got flooded. The water was up to my neck, but I still had a home to stay in. I still, you know, my home wasn't demolished. My loved ones were not impacted by this. But when I came home to Ireland, no one had heard about this. No one had heard about this extreme event that caused an entire state approximately the size of Ireland to completely flood. No one heard about it. And for me, that was extremely painful and extremely frustrating because I was around 14 at the time. And to me, this was like the biggest thing Um, because I could see how it was impacting other people and how it wasn't impacting me. Mm -hmm. And this actually connects a lot to the social justice aspect of, of for me being a woman and seeing how I was treated differently, given more liberty than my other female peers also frustrated me, which is why I became a lot lot more active into women empowerment. So for me, it was seeing how the privileges that I had, that I considered normal, that I considered as the right to have, weren't being given to other people. So from there, I started learning, you know, what is this issue? Why did this flood happen? Because we were expecting monsoon rains, but we didn't expect floods. So then that's how I learned about climate change. And that's, I joined groups and it wasn't until maybe two years on into my journey as an activist that I fully understood the term of climate justice and how climate justice is social justice. It's racial justice. It's everything. It took me two years to develop that. Um, So that's how I kind of got involved with climate justice and coming back to the social justice aspect. I was always given a lot more liberty 
and my female peers, specifically here in Ireland as part of a big Indian community. In India, our sort of our community values are a bit backward, specifically towards women. Women in India are still seen as second class citizens. We are still treated a lot differently. Um, and we're still told that the, you know, not even told, it's a situation where the right to an education, the right to free will, and the right to independence is a sort of luxury that only some can afford. And to me, that was that was frustrating because in my in my aspect and in my opinion, those three things are a right. They're not something you give to someone because, oh yeah, they're great, or they're not something you give to someone because they have the luxuries to afford it. It's a right every single person should have. And specifically here in Ireland as a community, when we first came over, we were still wary of our surroundings. We were, uh, my mom, when my mom first came over, diversity was still just growing in Ireland. There wasn't a lot of diverse individuals. And so when, we did, stopped. when did she move over? She moved over in, she initially moved over around 2005, four, mm-hmm. around that time. Um, and that was when like the first loads of like Indian nurses were coming over the first loads of uh, immigrants. And so we kind of stuck to our own communities. and Therefore, a lot of our own values continued to grow and thrive. And some of them were negative, some of them were positive. But my parents were a lot more liberal. Like I was allowed to dress as I wished. I was allowed to have guy friends. And for some of my other female peers, those luxuries were not provided. Um, and like I was always the girl who would have seven chairs in each of her hands because the teacher asked only for boys to pick up the chairs. You know, I was the girl who would sit with her legs crossed because some uncle said I couldn't because it's not ladylike. Mm-hmm. I was always breaking those sort of um, expectations and I could do so because of the support of my parents. But a lot of girls didn't. So for me, that kind of became an issue that I wanted to fight for. I, I wanted people to be like, OK who can pick up the chairs, not which boys can pick up the chairs or how I sit does not define what type of lady I am. A lot of the fights I fight now were internal fights I fought as a kid. And now I'm just at a position in life where I'm fighting at a global stage as well as a local stage. So there's the summary of climate and social justice. Oh my goodness. It's so needed because yeah, there's there's these battles that people have going on that you you're just so we're just so unaware of uh, now in the news we're hearing about this drought that's that's happening yeah. in on the west coast of america but there have been droughts ongoing in in mapa in most affected um people in area regions for how long now and we it's like australia bushfires the california yeah. fires you know it only happen it only matters and we only hear about it when it's these like western white um majority populated countries like and oh it's not okay so you know it's just so important but i guess to hone in because i do want to talk about um i think we get stuck in on how is climate change like affecting ireland and people think that it's so far away and that's why we haven't acted on it like we're not wired as humans to react to something that doesn't immediately threaten us yeah so even with COVID, when India was going, or not India, sorry, when Italy was was saying this is a trope, like we could see people dying, we were like, no, it's fine. It literally wasn't until it was kind of too late that we, 
you know, put in lockdown restrictions yeah. or whatever. So I fear the same thing is going to happen with climate change that we're literally waiting for it to arrive at our doorstep when, as mm-hmm. you know, it's already well and truly underway in India. So like how how else has it affected um, India that you know of? I, I, you mm-hmm. know of these floods. Are there other issues that, that have been ongoing? Yeah, like when I saw this question, I my head just completely went like absolutely haywire. I was like, oh, there's this and there's this. The reality is it's like the climate crisis is a day to day issue. It's what's happening today, what's happening tomorrow in India. And I think like what you said about a lot of people who have privileges such as, you know, education, the right to a home and other stuff like that, especially within the global north. They're waiting for it to arrive at their doorstep because we're not hearing of what else is happening. Like during the time the floods happened in India, where I was there, the global media were covering Donald Trump's golf trips. We don't hear about it. We do not hear about the most important things. And that's why we struggle so much to realize how big of an issue this is. And also because the funding isn't going towards finding out what this actually is, because it's only years after a natural event happens that you're like, okay, this is directly linked to the climate crisis. And by that time, it's often too late and people have already forgotten about it. But coming back to your question, um, there are droughts, there are social injustices because of the climate crisis. A lot of the marginalized communities, when impacted, don't have the resources to become stable again. They become even more unstable, even more vulnerable. For example, we just had two cyclones within two weeks of each other that hit both the West and the East Coast of India. And this time again, Cyclone Tautke actually impacted a lot of Kerala as well. Um, If you looked at it, it honestly looks like the movie, I think it was a movie called 2012, where the floods just bashed against the walls. It looked like that. Um, But again, was that recorded on a national scale only what a week or two after the actual cyclone happened it wasn't until the second cyclone happened within a two-week span the global media were like oh did you hear about this cyclone people died um i was covering it all throughout on my socials because i didn't want this cyclone this natural disaster to go unheard Mm -hmm. like many other disasters that do go Um, i've met people whose houses have fallen on top of them who've become injured because of it. And that's that's the people who have houses. Imagine those who are living without, without houses, those who have had to leave home because of social injustices, those who are kicked out of home, those who due to social injustices and the caste issues we have in India are left living in forests or left living off of their land, the indigenous people that are left living off of their land and who depend on nature. They were the most impacted, but we don't hear that. We hear about the people who've had to evacuate their homes. We hear about the people who whose businesses were lost. And yes, those two are incredibly hard and frustrating issues, but we never, you know, we never have the time or we never remember to highlight those who are already marginalized and how this event is going to impact them more. So there were cyclones, there are droughts. And again, the droughts, whenever they happen, it's always like, oh, drink water. But what about people who don't have access clean water stay inside what about people who don't have the option to stay inside because it's either you go and work in the heat or your family doesn't eat this week it's a lot of those I know I can't remember the word it's like those questions you do you do this or do you give up this do you work out there in that heat 
or do you give up affording to feed your family this week? Mm-hmm. And if you do give up affording to feed your family this week, what does that mean for your children? It's a lot of questions that we're putting on people in India because nobody will believe in it. Even our current Indian government does not believe that this is an issue because they're happy and there are four or five flat homes, they're big homes away from all of these crises. Another issue is deforestation. We have a lot of indigenous tribes who currently live within our forests or use our forests for their grazing. And because of the level of deforestation that's happening, we're losing a huge amount of biodiversity, a huge amount of grazing land and a huge amount of homes. People's homes are being demolished to give them land. And actually, um, I'd like to bring up an issue specifically that's, again, a bit closer to home. There was there's this island called Lakshwadeep, and it's sort of a compilation of islands off the coast of Kerala, which is where I'm from. And they're currently considered a union territory. So what that means is the president of India sends an administrator to take care of that island and understand how it goes. Initially, what that island used to have with its previous administrator were that, you know, sort of like city councils, you would elect a city council to sort of, you know, go and discuss in the space of decision making on behalf of you. The new administrator came, he took down those powers. Now your city council does not have the powers to decide on health issues, to decide on infrastructure issues. And it's one person and a little tiny group of administrator staff who, again, are not even from the island, don't speak the island's language. He also brought in rules about splitting up island land for their own use. So he split it up into, for example, industrial, residential, tourism and agriculture. So, for example, if your house, this entire island is extremely inhabited. And if your house or your land by chance falls into the the sort of square of industrial land, you have to go. You just have to move. Exactly. It just comes back to those in power oppressing people more. And then there's the there's the women specifically as well. The climate crisis is a gender issue. A lot of the times when women have to leave their homes because of domestic abuse or stuff like that, because unfortunately in India, marital rape is legal. It is not an illegal issue. So when women have no other choice, they often have to leave their homes. And as women, they face a lot more issues and therefore are a lot more vulnerable in getting homes and giving their children education um, and even work. So a lot of them fall into hard labor jobs that often need people to be working constantly, regardless of what natural disaster happens. So again, I feel like I've spoken about this for 20 minutes, but this is a day day to day issue that is impacting nearly every single marginalized individual. And it's honestly like this week, what's happening? You know, I think right now at the moment, the heat in India is going extremely hot, but it, it's it's a weekly issue. It's a constant thing that those in India, and especially those across Mapa areas, are constantly fighting. Yeah. Um. So, with that, you know, what can people do to help the situation? Because you can feel helpless, you know, when you're when you're geographically far away, but we're so we're much more connected than we think. I mean. Mm-hmm the the first, like before you share yours i also think it's really important that we look at um colonial history as well because i like india would not be as there would not be as much um social issues there as there mm-hmm. are now if it wasn't for 
the the way in which it was left by mm-hmm. British rule. Oh, and of course, you know, Irish people can kind of relate to that, but the the differences are are huge. So I think looking into colonialism is one thing I would say to to listeners. I'm doing some research, reading into it now, and it's just been fascinating, eye opening, and really also lovely to look at kind of solutions and one thing to focus on is like our common ground and realize this this capitalist colonialist Mm -hmm. society that was built by the white european is literally destroying everyone's lives everyone is there's the top one percent benefit from it and everyone else has struggles that that all kind of stem from the same place so there's me waffling that's my (laughs) one thing i would encourage people to do but what what can people do to to feel empowered to help these communities and women in India? I think one of the first steps I always say is look outside of your own back garden. It basically means when discussing issues such as colonialist issues, such as the climate crisis, it is really important to understand that we're not just an Irish citizen or a citizen of your native country, we're a global citizen. That means there are issues all across the world that are tied to this one. And whenever you're advocating, you almost always must remember that there are issues and you must look into them. But one of the biggest steps you can take is actually accepting that this is a crisis, that this is a global issue um, and understanding how dangerous this is. Because a lot of times we're like, okay, yes, the climate crisis, plant trees. Trees are great, but they're a tiny pedestal on the huge jump we need to make very soon. And for those who are not in MAPA areas, or those who are looking on MAPA areas to sort of maybe research or looking to help, one of the biggest things you can do is support, stand in solidarity and get your own counsellors to address it or even bring it up. For example, the Israel and Palestine issue. People called their counsellors and told them, this is an issue we all need to talk on. They got their counsellors to bring it up. Bring it up everywhere, even if it's, you know, at the family dinner table, respectfully, of course. But um, everywhere you can bring these discussion topics up, because for far too long, we've been shutting them away behind a door for only certain people who are the marginalized individuals to talk about. That shouldn't be the case anymore. We should be talking about this every week. I would say research, but we're not taught how to do that. And I'm still learning the skills to learn, Okay, this is an issue. How is it tied to the climate crisis? So learn, read. um, And I think another thing is get involved. We need every single person out here on the streets, even if it's at home, depending on what privileges you have and what abilities you have as well. We need every single person advocating for justice, whether that's social justice, climate justice, but actually all sorts of justice because we can't pick and choose. Um, So just to summarize again, you know, get involved stand in solidarity and always remember it's not just our back garden that's on fire it's everywhere else yeah so yeah so true there that's some stellar good advice there and i think yeah there's no place for guilt either you know if you have if you are somewhere where you have the right to housing and education amazing don't feel there's no need to feel guilty about it and then doing these things out of guilt to make yourself feel better. Mm-hmm. Do it because it's the right, it's just the right thing to do. Everyone should have these basic rights. Mm-hmm. Um, so you are part of so many different groups. Um, do you want to tell us about 
the list your CV there. Tell us about the different oh, groups that you're involved with, and you okay. can you can share like what's upcoming for for the various ones and how people can get involved. Perfect. So one of the biggest projects I'm working on is an organization I co-founded in March of last year. It's called the Rear Initiative. We are an international um, registered organization that sort of works on climate justice, education, empowering young people, and sort of creating an international community of solidarity. It's been amazing. We're currently going through a bit of a restructuring period. We have at least 20 plus countries involved within this project. And we, we, we work on Slack. So whenever we send messages, we have 15 time zones. Yeah, it's, it's amazing. So that's the Re-Earth Initiative. Um, another project I'm working on is sort of education. For me, education has always been the biggest tool because it's helped me understand where I am in this movement and also what this movement is. So there's about three education projects I'm working on. So one of them is a climate app in Kerala, which is the state I come from in India. And actually, we just launched the app. No, it has launched on the socials. It hasn't launched on the app store yet, but it's coming soon. So that's one thing. Um, another thing is I spent the start of this year creating a curriculum for a few schools in Uganda for ages. I think first class to around first year. It was an amazing opportunity because I got to work with individuals from Philippines, sort of compile the curriculum together. We sent it over and the kids had amazing, like they had a lot, lot of fun with it. They also learned a lot. And finally, an Irish project I'm working on is there is this initiative that I've started alongside Beth Doherty from Dublin called Able to Change. And it's basically a free website where you can come in and listen to young people talking to you about, you know, how do you develop these skills? How do you learn how to organize in your community? You know, how do you just talk to decision makers? Because in my opinion, and in Beth's as well, these are crucial skills to have that were not taught which I think is one of the crucial um, foundations of democracy is knowing this is a wrong thing. How do I talk about it? We are launching a youth advisory board application because we want this project to be led and guided by young people for young people. So it's, it's amazing. We're launching with a few courses such as communications, the introduction to politics, because again, our CSP course is very limited and what it teaches us about yeah. politics. Yeah, for anyone abroad listening, in the Irish secondary school, so like the high school curriculum, there's this thing called civil, social, physical education, I think, or political education. Political yeah, education. sorry, not physical, imagine. Uh, civil, social, political education. And some schools take the mick with it, really. You know, a tick in the box, you, you know, match politicians names to heads of their pictures and you're like I'm not oh okay so I still remember that the Minister for Health when I was doing my research was Mary Harney but what do I know about democracy and how Mm -hmm. I can make a change and you know they talk about protests a little bit so I don't know how much it's changed now but yeah there's so much it's not an exam subject anymore there's absolutely no incentive to study it no, none at all. It's been people just end up doing their homework or, you know, mm-hmm. doing other work in that class. And Flossie from Flossie and the Beach Cleaners recently kind of did a hybrid protest with, um, I think, some Fridays for Future activists and also Extinction Rebellion at the Doll calling for environmental studies as well to be mm-hmm. a module in, in school. And I think that's so crucial. But what you're saying as well, how to, I mean... 
there's some skills in home ec that are amazing you know how to wash your clothes and sew something which I think mm-hmm. you know we again because of our social gender constructed boxes go oh well home ec is only a, a woman's subject you yeah. know and a man learned to sew oh what's the point so that's something that we need to do away with but there's other things like you said that's such a good idea about having been taught to you know challenge policies and and mm-hmm. Being active, not it's not just about voting. It's so much more than that. Like there's so much before voting, like yeah. knowing who you're voting for. Because when you're going to the tick list, so the tick list, the ballot, the ballot. It's not just about ticking. Okay, this kind of person looks cool. It's about knowing what policies you're voting for. Um, and I think a lot of people in Ireland today kind of go, "Oh, I've seen her face up on the polls when I was driving to work. I think I'll vote for her." We don't have a lot of these sort of meetings where candidates can actually meet the people and answer their questions i've never seen one in my area i've seen one far away they're sort of just like on the spot ones but why don't we have those before we vote for who we want to represent us why do we vote on people seeing maybe their social media and seeing their posters across town i I know that some of the candidates do do canvassing some of them do there's a word for it i can't remember a special word for when they have you know Oh, I can't think of it. Some funny sounding word where they have this event that that the public can come and ask some questions. And one thing about the pandemic, there was one future, which were, I think, are part of Stop Climate Chaos, do host these, you know, talk to your TV kind of. That's it. Yes. Thank you. (laughs) Um, They host those. And yeah, you do get to talk to your TD, but that's not, it doesn't seem to be as focused on as just making sure there's enough posters in the area yeah. and getting everyone to have their fair share of airtime on a TV show when obviously everything mm-hmm. is going to be polished and yada yada. But even if I went to one of those things, I wouldn't know the questions to ask, you know? That so too. That is, so sorry, is this something that you're working on to yeah. empower people to be able to ask those questions and stuff yeah it's empowering people to sort of ask those questions know why you ask those questions and exactly know which questions to ask you're going to have courses with wet videos and written notes and extra resources to look up on and it's basically just extra resources out there for young people to learn and to empower themselves and one of the key one of the key sort of unique selling points of it is that it's led by young people. The videos are by young people and they're for young people. Amazing. So very cool. What do you think about young people in the climate movement? How, what kind of obstacles have you met because of your age? So for me, I have this sort of thing where I look a lot older than I am. So there were meetings where I've had with sort of, you know, I remember one time we were organizing a protest in Cork. And there was a sort of festival happening on the street we normally use just because it's the safest street for the amount of people that are coming. And we went into a meeting with them and I was one of the the least knowledgeable people there. Like I knew which protests we were doing, but there were other young activists and the guy kept referring to me because I was I was in like a little trench coat and I had my hair up in a bun because I just come after work experience at the courthouse. So I looked a lot older and um I noticed it because he was referring a lot to me. He was answering my questions and giving me the papers. And I was like, there's five other people here. They were giving me the documents to look at. I I, I was the one that had to pass it around. being like, oh, look at this. You know, this is the map. That was one of the things I noticed. But being a young person, I'm always told that I'm dreaming for something that's unrealistic. 
that's like, oh, that's not going to work in our current economical situation um, or stuff like that. And it's always been like, oh, you know, have a pat on your back and then go back to school. It's 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 as if I'm doing this as if it's child's play. You know, I, I'm organizing a protest in the middle of my exams because I just want to go out into the streets and shout and then go back to school. I'm not taken seriously for the idea, the ideals and morals and values I have or the protests I organize or the activities I do. A lot of adults I have met consider my work um, as a social and climate justice activist to be a hobby. Uh, they, they, they don't realize that this is a life that I'm working towards or this is a value, a fight that I'm working to fight for potentially the rest of my life, as long as it will take. It's not something I take up during a summer and kind of go, okay, I'll let it go before I go back into college or go back into secondary school. So it, it's the constant dismissal and the condescending that sort of I face a lot as a young person. That is, I can only imagine how frustrating that is. People need to listen to young people because there's, it's kind of like you have an unfiltered, we have an unfiltered lens mm-hmm. of the world. We see, we see really simple I say we like I'm I'm a young person as well like I'm 28 but I still so young I'm still clutching (laughs) but like there's that kind of I remember growing up just being able to see you have more you're like more connected with what with what is right and wrong you know Mm -hmm. and seeing destruction and being like that's not okay and the empathy there's just so much more empathy and if there's more of that in politics and more of that in Jesus, everything we did, the world would be such a better place because when you get to this adult gaze, you're like, oh no, you have to have your job, earn your money, buy your house, do all these things and there's all these rules exist for a reason and these rules and these systems that are set up are doesn't just because something's legal or the way it's done yeah. and it's our economic model doesn't mean that it's right or that it has to stay. There's been so many societal changes over the years. You wouldn't recognize this country or any country 50 years ago, let alone 100, mm-hmm. you know? So having that kind of narrow tunnel vision of this is the way it is. No, shut it out the window, please. This is not the way it has to be at all. Yeah. And I think we forget that we created these systems. Like the economy just did not arise from the Big Bang and kind of came with us as we journeyed across <laughs> life. You know, we created it. A lot of the massive changes that we've had because we've had to adapt, we as humans have created it. So a lot of these ideals of fixing the system or changing the system are not unrealistic. They're very realistic as long as you put the right funding and the right resources towards it. Um, and another sort of, not even fact, another sort of source to you know, prove this is the current vaccine thing. How long do vaccines normally take? So long. And that's because we don't put the correct amount of resources and funding towards it. But when we do in times of crisis, we get it like this. And I mean this in, in terms of how we normally get it. But um, it's this idea that, okay, this is the system that was given to me. I must live in it. No one has to live in the box that we were given. The box is there to hide us, to shelter us. But sometimes we have to step out. Sometimes we have to break out. And sometimes we're not even given a box. So it's, it's kind of realizing these ideas and these sort of things young people are shouting into the government's ears. They're not unrealistic. They're extremely realistic as long as we act now and take all take the young people seriously and put the right amount of funding and resources into it amazing and the groups that you were talking about and the various amounts of jobs you have going which ones can people get involved with are you looking for help with anything um can you share that for anyone that might be interested 
Yeah, um, I think like three projects I will bring up is the Climate Assembly era. So that's sort of a youth climate assembly held for individuals aged 14 to 25. Sorry, Cara. Um, (laughs) So it's an amazing project that was sort of set up because the RT Youth Parliament was a PR stunt. We spent ages, months actually, you know, sort of developing these proposals and we got to give it to our minister and have I seen any of those proposals come to life afterwards no no I've seen individual companies take up some of these proposals maybe because it's just common sense to do them um but our government still hasn't so a few of us came together and we realized if they're not going to listen to us from the assembly they set up we'll create our own and make sure we're heard having an assembly where we're not get where we don't have the accurate representation we need um, which is six individuals per county from both the north and the south of Ireland. We realized, okay, let's. What can we do? So we've actually decided to postpone the official assembly until October, because we do have opportunities for funding and to make this an official assembly. So at the moment, what we have is on Sunday, the fourth of July, two thousand twenty-one. We have a small little session, which is going to be a panel on climate justice, an informational workshop by this amazing organization called Climate Science. And then a little 15 minute sort of consultation and information session from us here at Climate Assembly Era talking about why did we create this project, what this project is. So if there's any young person here looking to sort of get involved either as an organizer or a participant, you can check out Climate Assembly Era on Instagram and we'll have all of our updates there. That's the first thing. Second thing is the Able to Change um, initiative. If you're looking to be one of young advisors on our board who would love to have you we're putting out applications today so if you just search up able to change on instagram you'll find that and finally re-earth initiative is looking for volunteers as soon as we finish restructuring so if you have experience in maybe social media or you're really good at researching or you want to meet people from all across the world we will have a community aspect for that and the age range for re-earth initiative is 14 14 to 30 so we, we, we've increased it <laughs> so yeah I guess those are three opportunities I'd love to share amazing and I will link everything in the show notes and on the website so how what would you say to adults listening then I mean a lot of adults listening to this are you know interested or listening because they have an interest in being eco-friendly and some are my friends and family that are probably listening at a guild thanks guys <laughs> appreciate it um but I mean what would you ask of of adults of the older generations Take your responsibility as a global citizen seriously because you have the rights and resources to do so. For a lot of young people, it's so much that we're shouting into a void that can only hear us once we turn a specific age or once we're an adult. For a lot of adults, you have the opportunity to raise your voice and have it heard because you're taken a lot more seriously. So Mm. general thing, that's it. General call out, little little request there. We've talked about so much there um, from the heavy to the light. And I know I want to ask you some kind of like random questions and stuff. But is there anything else that you want to share with listeners that before before we move on to the last part of the interview? Um, I just like to bring back the point you made about guilt. And I just wanted to say that a lot of us have privileges that a lot of us have to be held accountable for. But whatever action you do, do it out of love, do it out of empathy and not because of guilt. Because once you do it out of guilt, you're becoming a savior. The world does not need saviors. It needs friends and it needs people who love what they do and who they do it for. So 
whatever you're doing for our planet, for our people, always do it with passionate, fiery love. I, I love it. I actually am reading What White People Can Do Next by Irish um, author Emma Dabiri. But she has an amazing book called What White People Can Do Next. It's amazing. It's so good. And just, you know, really reinforcing that thing of like, this is, it's not about, you know, fighting for the other. It's fighting for your your yourself unless you are Jeff Bezos I mean this system is mm. killing you too you know <laughs> so just oh, I really recommend that um for anyone listening and it's a short quick read but it will blow your freaking mind so mm-hmm. um I think that's really good it talks about that a lot yeah do it out of love I think I'll take that as a quote for this episode <laughs> from Tess um but I do want to ask some random questions but what I always I just there's one question I always want to make sure I ask activists because I love encouraging people there's a lot of people who listen to this who actually haven't been to a protest you know and I Mm -hmm. I remember the first time I went to a protest it was a pretty big deal and oh leaving the house oh the effort I could just you know do something comfortable Mm. instead but I like to kind of remind people and want to encourage the positive side of of like protesting so I want to mm-hmm. ask you what your favorite activism or protest memory is moment or one of your favorites I think one of I have this thing I always cry after a protest I have happy tears scrolling down my face because it is an amazing moment to see those the amount of people around you shouting for justice and like I get goosebumps all the time and I just Absolutely, I am in tears after a protest. But one of my most favorite memories was, I think it was September 20th, I was leading that protest. We got together at the start and I didn't expect the level of the amount of people we had. And I I still remember we had primary school students who were like first class, second class, who had placards that said, I stand with these young people and I want my future too. And that moment of just seeing the diversity of people in ages, ethnicities, sort of coming together to protest for climate justice because they love their planet, they love the people. That for me was the biggest moment. And it's what empowers me and encourages me to go on to all of these protests because I get, I'm a very lazy person. I sit on the seat and I'm like, I'll do everything from this seat. But once you take that step and once you go and once you immerse yourself into that passionate love of what people do at protests and that fire and that energy it's addictive I can't wait for the next protest I know that's the thing and um, they're so addictive um so before I know you've got work soon so we're going to get to some random questions can you I'll just reorder them so they're random so can <laughs> you ask for your first letter what is your first letter going to be I'll take a T. T for Tess. And T is, what possession have you had the longest? There is a doll in my room that I got for my fourth birthday. I have never opened it. It's been, what, 14 years later? It's a porcelain doll um, that I got for my fourth birthday. Never, ever opened it yet. I'm hoping to open it for my 24th birthday, 20 years on, or give it to my child. It's like in my room. It's, it, it reminds me that this is the longest possession I have. It looks over me as I sleep. But yeah, that's the longest possession I've had. That's amazing. 
amazing. And yeah, I love porcelain dolls. I know a lot of people find them creepy, but I grew up with my mom, like had so much gave them to me and I love them. I find them fascinating. But that's amazing. Jesus, fair play on having the... the <laughs> oh, no, my the mom strange... would never let me open oh. it. She was, she was like, this is for a display. We don't open. Like it's still in its original packet. And my friend for my fourth birthday actually stuck a card inside. Still haven't opened that card. It's untouched absolutely untouched oh i'm so excited oh please share on social media when you do i'll be so excited 20 years onwards it's like (laughs) i have finally opened this gift that is so cool okay um another letter uh i'll go for b b one request you'd make of your younger self Ooh, be nice treat be nice because you don't know what others are going through I think that's definitely something I've learned from growing up. Um, I've sort of seen in myself and seen in other people. And that's something I do. I do a lot more now. I'm a lot more. I'm kind because I don't know your struggles and you don't know mine. So I expect the same kindness. But again, be nice because you don't know what others are going through. That's lovely. Yeah, even if they're being not Mm -hmm. so nice. You never know. Yeah. Yeah, that's a really good one. Okay, and we'll go for two more. So one more letter. Okay, uh, X. X. Share something about the natural world that you find awe-inspiring. The sky. I love the sky. Like, I am the type of person, like, I have come home from work at, like, 10 p.m. and just sat in this field and just looked up at the sky for around 15 minutes because it, it just, it takes my breath away every single time. Like, it could be a storm. It could be just like candy floss, pink, purplish skies, or it could be a sunset. But I am just in awe of skies. Absolutely takes my breath away. That's a really good one. I think especially the stars at night. I fortunately can't see so many in Dublin. But when I am in the countryside or if I just... if I start thinking about it it can be a bit too much sometimes because I'm like oh wait no we're on a floating rock in the middle of nothing how did we what (laughs) and one more letter to send us home I will go for E for earth E for earth oh a piece of art that moved you anything at all oh this one's hard Actually, no, um, there is this drawing, but it was like a digital drawing by an artist and it was a curvy woman and it had the, it had the words, I am worthy on it. I have it on my laptop and like, I, sometimes it pops up as my screen saver. Just, I don't know why it really moved me because I had, I've always struggled to see people who look like me as someone who's not exactly a size zero or a size six, size six. Um, individual kind of seeing someone who embodies what I look like and kind of having those specific words I am worthy because that's always something I've struggled with that artwork has just always moved me and always has an impact on me no matter how many times I see it amazing maybe if you send that on I can include it on the website so maybe yeah, you might I will send it on. Else. Tess thank you so much for thank sharing one of, your, one of your many few hours you get to do with <laughs> what you want to do so I really the retail industry it. just takes too much I know man tell me about it um, but I wish you all the best in these many many um, jobs that you have going and I can't wait to see what the future lies ahead for you I think I'm I'm optimistic 
and yeah just thank you thank you so much i really appreciate it thank you this has been great now didn't i tell you tess was amazing to listen to the amount of stuff she has going on i can't comprehend it at 17 you know i could barely keep a tamagotchi alive let alone plan all of those things design an app you name it and she's doing it so I've linked everything in the show notes unfortunately there isn't a video up yet of the climate assembly that they had but um, if there is one uploaded I will update the show notes with that so take a leaf out of Tess's book and do things out of love not out of guilt and don't forget to keep educated and stay on top of what's going on outside of our own pools that's important and empower women there's so many things that so many messages we could take away from Tessa's episode there's I guess my pick for now and I am going to leave it there because I'm super pooped and I desperately need sleep but I will catch you guys in two weeks time and if there are any specific topics there's so many things I still have to talk about and just not enough time to get to everyone but if there's any specific topics you want me to skip the queue with let me know and specific people that you'd like me to interview say the word say the word and I will reach out to them so sending you all the love all the love And I hope you have a wonderful Monday, a wonderful week. And I will talk to you again in two weeks time. And in the meantime, you can stay updated on social media. Book of Lee's podcast, you'll catch me there. Gallivanting, sometimes I take a break for a few days and sometimes I'm posting loads about my life. But yeah, you'll see me there in between episodes. So thank you guys so much for listening. (gasps) Episode 50, I just remembered. That's class. Isn't that class? That's unreal. So thank you so much. So much to the people who've been here, especially friends and family who've been here from the start. And especially, especially the people I don't know who listen to this. You guys are deadly. Like, you have no reason to be here. (laughs) And you are here. So I really appreciate it. Thank you guys so much. Episode 50. Here's to 50 more. I think we can do it. So thank you so much. And... Have a lovely two weeks. Bye guys. Talk to you soon.